Okay, right. Back in Backland Studios. Uh, hey, Chris. Um, hey. Uh, Chris, I've got a question for you. Mm. Have you ever shot for something? Like taken a shot at something ambitious? What, like a gun? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, have, have you shot a gun, Chris? Even living in the country, still no. If you had a gun, I, I'd believe it. An actual gun. No, no. <laughs> um, what, what, have you, what have you ever shot for that's ambitious? Do you know what? Um, I'd probably say the studio. I think that's one of the most ambitious things we've ever jumped into, I would say. Uh, it is beautiful here, Chris. Like, Thanks very much. It's, I love it. Um, I, yeah, it's, it, you've got a lot of foam. Um, <laughs> but like, like I, it's, I, I'm, I don't really understand all the, the foam bits, but it's pretty special. Like, and I'm sounding so insincere. <laughs> don't worry. It's all good. It's all good. Don't, just don't yeah, shoot sorry, me, please, Chris. I, I lied. <laughs> I was going to say, we live in the country, so I'll just open my locker and I'll just have all of, oh, the, yeah. all of the paraphernalia Shotguns, for, yeah. I exactly. didn't mean it. I did not mean to disrespect the foam. <laughs> disrespect the foam. Don't disrespect the foam. Hello, and welcome to Right Club and our open mic. This is a podcast for you, whoever you are, wherever you live. It's a podcast where we come together and listen to new writing of all shapes and sizes. We've got stories, poems, raps, play scripts. If you've written it and it's not mad offensive, then we want to hear what you've got to say. We believe everyone has some great writing in them. And by listening to each other, we get to feel a little bit more united and a little bit more positive about the world. Isn't that right, Chris? Well, yeah. That's Chris, by the way. Hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're the, uh, the gremlin in denim. That's what I'm... Uh, <laughs> Gremin? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very nice denim jacket on today. That's Thanks Chris. Thanks very much. Uh, he set up and runs Backland Studios, where we're recording this right now. Um, and uh, he is... Uh, the one who's making this all coherent and is kind of splicing things and sorting things out. Um, but looking fabulous in denim as well, don't forget. Um, <laughs> you do, do you know what? <laughs> it's a nice jacket, Chris. Thanks. It compliments your beard well. Um, that's Chris, who is more than just a denim jacket. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe we'll chat about Backland Studios later in this episode. Me? Um, hey, I'm Mark. Uh, Mark Grist um, uh, is my full name. I'm a poet. Um uh, I guess I'm a rap battler. Some people know me for doing that back in the day. Um, teacher, I'm a children's author, got a new book coming out soon. And, and mostly right now, I'm a curator of this um, podcast series because I really love hearing new work from people. Um, and that's that's us. Um, and this is Right Club Open Mic. Um, every episode has got its own theme. And today's theme is, Chris, take your shot. It's very nicely delivered. Oh, thanks very much. Um, take your <laughs> shot. That's that's it. This episode is about taking your shot, being ambitious, setting targets, and how to reach for something as a writer. If you're looking to develop as a writer, you definitely need to take your shot, right? And so I thought I'd speak to a good friend of mine, Tim Clare. Uh, Tim is uh, an author, poet, and performer. Um, he's written some fantastic books like The Honours, How to Be an Astronaut. His most recent book, Coward, Why We Get Anxious and What We Can Do About It, is well worth a read too. He's also got two podcasts that focus on targets. One is the Couch to 50K course, and the other is uh, his very popular Death of a Thousand Cuts, which is kind of your one-stop resource for writing advice. Now, Tim helps lots of people with their writing, and I wondered whether he could help us. If this episode is about taking your shot and hitting the target, perhaps he's heard some good or bad advice about how to approach targets in the first place. Here's Tim Clare. Hello there. The poet Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, The way to write is to throw your body at the mark when all your arrows are spent. Which... It's quite a beautiful image, but also is a good way to get yourself banned from archery ranges. I mean, that's mental, isn't it? To just 
fire your last two arrows, and then charge across the ground between you and the target and just rugby tackle it. Uh, you know, people would ask if you were all right. But actually, you know, like, it's quite impressive to shoot an arrow and hit a target, yes. But isn't it much more interesting? <laughs> Wouldn't it be much more memorable to be the person who had to be led out of the archery range by the police for elbow barging it to the ground? That's the person I want to hang out with, and that's why I quite like Ralph Waldo Emerson's quote. Anyway, I, I think that we sometimes do this as writers. We really push ourselves to, you know, he said, I, I guess the metaphor is when you, when you think that, you know, you're completely spent and you've got nothing left, you've got to shoot your shot, you've got to run and charge and, 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 and just give, ev- if you've got nothing left, then you just have to use your body, you have to give your whole self to it. And um, yeah, you, you can do that, but I, I sometimes think you've got to be kind to yourself. And this is a poem about a period in my life when I, I wasn't, so good at being kind to myself and people all around me were going, Tim, come on, you've got to be kind to yourself. Come on, Tim, be kind to yourself. And I, I wonder what that might look like for me. This poem's called Be Kind to Yourself. Be kind to yourself. Each day, give yourself a compliment. Make it specific when you've always wanted to receive. Your seafood risotto is ace. That time after salsa class when you bought everyone ice cream was magical. Thanks for doing the washing up for four weeks after Dad's funeral. Be kind to yourself. Learn the art of disappointing people. The bar will manage Friday night without you. Ross can wait another day to play ping pong. Your daughter will have other clarinet recitals. Or, more likely, she will take the hint and give up. Be kind to yourself. Make yourself a full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings in the middle of July – Gravy, cranberry sauce and big glasses of port. Afterwards, doze off on the sofa in front of Shrek 3. And when your boss calls to ask why you aren't at work today, ask him who the flip he thinks he is. Calling you on today, of all days. Apologise. This is the season of goodwill. Invite him round for mince pies and sherry. About six-ish? Tell him yes, you are feeling okay. You're just learning how to be happy in a world made mostly of gas and dying meat. Your boss will offer you the rest of the week off. Take it, like the last quality street. Be kind to yourself. Snatch a charity tin from an old lady collecting money for the lifeboat appeal and use the proceeds to fill your fridge with 50 tubes of Smarties. I know they're made by Nestle, but come on. It's not like you're stealing charity tins from old ladies. Oh, wait. Be kind to yourself. Sleep with people other than your wife. You deserve it. After all, you spent a whole afternoon creosoting the new shed while she sat on a lawn chair reading My Bookie Wook 2. When she discovers your infidelity, she will probably say, Fair play, mate. Laugh and slap you on the back. Yes, it's what I'd do. Be kind to yourself. Stop leaving the house. Outdoors there is weather and cat mess. Why put yourself through that when there's leftover turkey right here under the coffee table? Let answer phone messages stack up like song requests on a pub jukebox. Drink the last hundred mil of sherry, then play Jingle Bell Rock at full blast on the downstairs stereo, dancing like a toddler while the neighbours hammer their approval against the partition wall. Be kind to yourself. Let friendships drop like pine needles. Save on laundry by wearing nothing but a powder blue dressing gown. Allow yourself to come unmoored from the sun's glum, luckless circuits. Leave the lights off and walk through your house at 2am. You will feel like a ghost haunting scenes from his old life. Unwashed plates heaped in the sink like manuscripts. A dim, mauve diamond of moonlight picking out fridge magnets and an obsolete to-do list. Drink the last five mil of port. Call your ex-wife and listen to her breathing before she hangs up. She will be strangely unreal, like an urban fox caught in a porch light. Be kind to yourself. 
Lie flat on the cool, sticky kitchen floor, your dressing gown soft as terry toweling. Drink the brandy you were saving for best. You are excellent at noticing life's little absurdities. Well done for creosoting the shed. Your beard smells like Christmas. You are a brilliant whistler. That was Tim Clare. If you'd like to hear more of his work, I'd really recommend checking out his Couch to 50k course and his Death of the Thousand Cuts podcast. We've put links to them in the description. I really like that poem. It kind of presents a world with no targets, doesn't it? No outside pressures for the narrator. A refusal to live up to any standard whatsoever. And it doesn't end very well, does it? It makes me think about how targets, like moving forwards, taking your shot, is is always probably going to hurt a little bit, feel uncomfortable in some way. I think we need to accept that in taking our shot, we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zones. And that's a good thing. This is actually something I thought about a lot when we were all pushed out of our comfort zones in 2019 and the pandemic hit. Now, if you listened to our last episode of Right Club Open Mic, you'll know that this series was born out of an online Right Club that I set up during the pandemic. The idea was to meet up every Monday morning on Zoom to set some targets together for the coming week and then to come back together on Fridays to share how well or how badly we'd done against those targets. Now, that group at the time, I thought we'd run for about 12 weeks. That seemed to be how long the pandemic was going to last for, right? But in actual fact, that online right club has been going for over three years now. And it's still going strong. And so when we discussed making this podcast, a lot of those online right club members were keen to share how much targets have meant to them. Now, I can't go into every target that we've set, but I figured it would be cool to share our weekly process with you here on this episode. We've set a lot of targets and we've completed a lot and failed at a lot too, but I figured it might be cool to help you set three targets so that by the end of this episode, you understand exactly what we've been doing every Monday for the past goodness knows how many weeks, but also so that you could do this as well in a way that's hopefully useful to you with your writing. So yeah, that's the plan. This episode, we're going to help you set three new targets that should help you as a writer. It might be worth grabbing a pen and a piece of paper or opening a fresh page of your laptop to update as this episode progresses. The three different Write Club members that are featuring on this episode, each of them has set an ambitious target that really pushed them outside their comfort zone. Did it help them? Let's see. First off, we've got Scott Coe. Now, Scott is a writer and performer, a member of the online Write Club Massive uh, that I mentioned before, and he has a particular role of importance within Stamford, a market town that's not too far from Peterborough. It's a bit, it's a little bit posh, isn't it? Chris? It's a little bit posh. It's yeah. a little, it's a little bit, it's a little bit posh. <laughs> the people of Stamford are lovely. Um, the Stamford Art Centre, particularly, is is mm. a place very close to my heart. I love working uh, with Karen Burrows and, and 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 people over there. Oh, nice. I like Stamford a lot. And our next artist does too. And he's certainly very welcome there. Hi, my name's Scott, Scott Coe. I've been writing for a long time. Say, probably over 20 years. But I didn't start as a poet. I started actually as a budding lyricist. I was inspired by Britpop and indie. Noel Gallagher and Oasis. Neil Tennant and his catchy bits for Pet Shop Boy songs, you name it. I just loved lyrics. And I used to sit there and doodle lyrics and come up with things and songs and what have you. Thing is, I can't sing to save my skin. And I've tried playing instruments but just couldn't get somewhere. Then one day I got invited to read some of my lyrics at a poetry event in Cambridge. And suddenly it was like, hey... I can actually perform my own work. So then I tried to become a poet. I didn't really know what I was doing. And what I was writing really 
wasn't that great. I've been doing open mics for quite a while and I heard about an event in Leicester called Semantics, which has an open mic section and something called a slam. Now, I'd seen slams before and they kind of scared me. People getting scored on their poems and people voting on what they liked and they didn't like. But the thing that grabbed me about Semantics rather than lots of other slams is it wasn't a knockout slam. Everybody got two lots of three minutes, whereas in the open mic, you got one lot of three minutes. And me being a bit greedy, decided I'll enter the slam. I get two lots of three minutes. I get to perform for a little bit longer. So I went for a few times. And then one time I entered a heat and I won. And suddenly I find myself at their end of the year poetry slam final. Now... I thought, oh, I'll just go there and perform and have a laugh. It'd be cool. But something inside me said, I think you actually should try this. Now, I don't write a lot of what I would call political stuff, as in party political stuff. But there was something in the news which made me and a lot of other people angry. Partygate. This person became an issue. This person was Boris Johnson. And I wrote a rap as if I was Boris Johnson. Begin me, begin me, begin me at the climate summit to fix the weather. I'm often in Latin because I think it sounds clever than hire a jet to fly home for dinner because I'm getting fatter while you're getting thinner. My lies every week in every paper. I run the country like a mad brain caper. Spent all your money in my wife's wallpaper. Who knew John Lewis was such a bad draper? I don't know, my hand was shaking with the phone in my hand, reading lyrics because I literally finished writing it on... Wednesday, I had to perform it on Friday. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Suddenly, sue me, if you see right through me. The only thing I can do is a piss up in a brew. I'm lying up to you and you can't afford your heat. Banning all your protests, ignoring your tweeting. See, here's a sitting green. We're off for a party! <laughs> Sorry, I mean a business meeting. <laughs> oh gosh, it just... It went really well. Hanging out, cheese and wine and PPE contracts. Helping rich friends or pay less tax whilst your relatives die and your jobs get axed. Forgive me. Forgive me. Please, stop forgiving me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Another months later, people asked me to perform it again, and I practice and I practice and I practice. Then came Stanford, the laureate competition. I thought, I really want to have a go at this. And I didn't know what to perform, and so I did the Boris rap, and I won. And don't ask me to tell you much about that night because the shock hit me. I think I was like a rabbit in the headlights. I mean, I'm someone that traditionally says I don't win anything and I won something. I became this thing. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, what does a poet laureate do? You get asked to write for certain events. These can be from the Mayor's Inauguration, Remembrance Sunday, the Battle of Britain Parade, Holocaust Memorial Day. Now, I knew this was going to be the challenge, writing for commission. And it's really tough when it's a subject you don't know anything about and you have to work your way in. When we did poetry at school, a lot of it was war and I wasn't really interested in it. But this whole year has been dominated by that subject. Remembrance Sunday, the Battle of Britain Parade, Holocaust Memorial Day. And then obviously what's going on at the moment in Ukraine. Here's the piece that Scott wrote in the end. A piece he wouldn't have written without the expectations and the deadlines provided by the role. Would I be brave enough to pick up a gun? To defend my people from being overrun. Would I be brave enough 
to make a stand, to challenge a soldier who's invaded my land. Would I be brave enough to defy my orders, to lay down my gun and stop the slaughter? Would I be brave enough to join a protest against a dictator and risk arrest? And would I be brave enough to face him down and put a bullet into his crown? Would I be brave enough to wear the shoes of all the brave souls I see on the news? Taking on the laureate role was one of the biggest challenges I've had. It's also one of the best decisions I've ever made. That was Scott Coe, Stanford Poet Laureate and a vital component of the Peterborough poetry scene. Yeah, it was a cool story, right? Um, didn't realise there was a Poet Laureate in Stamford. Yeah, the, what, you know what? A bunch of towns and cities actually have Poet Laureates. It's, it's a cool idea in a way because it doesn't really cost you anything and you get Wicked. someone to like, write and perform work. And uh, do you know what? Um, apart from the National Laureate in the UK, the very first place to have, or the first city at least, to have a Poet Laureate was Peterborough. Mm. Yeah. So they Peterborough, go. we were the first ever city to operate um, a uh, zero hours contract set up <laughs> for, for a local poet to kind of rock around and, and, and perform things. And now, you know, you see them in, I think Manchester's got a poet laureate. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of cities um, have one. But we were there first. I mean, yeah, represent. Before we continue, I think it would be good if we talk a little bit about time. Time is really useful in setting targets. I always try and make sure I have a deadline so I know when I've succeeded or failed in sticking to my targets. For me, the best deadline to go with is often 5pm on a Friday evening. But what would be a good deadline for you? Do you want to set these targets to be completed by the end of today? Perhaps you want to set targets that you want to complete by the end of the week or even the end of the month. If you've got a pad of paper nearby, I'd suggest thinking about the deadline you want to set for these targets and writing that down. Now, it might be possible that if you've set your deadlines really tight for today, in fact, you may not meet them. And if that happens, we need to be able to forgive ourselves, to be kind to ourselves, as Tim Clare would say. A good friend of mine, Loz Anstey, has a poem about just this situation. I asked if she'd send it through and, and, and share it with us. Here she is. Hello there, my name is Loz Anstey and I'm a spoken word artist from Northamptonshire and I'd like to talk to you today about my poem, <laughs> Dick Day. Um, it's a poem that has stemmed from the many, many Dick Days that I have and um, the days where, you know, you've got your goals, you know what's going on, you know what you want to achieve, um, you've got everything sort of planned out and down and you think it's going to go really well and usually quite early on it goes very very wrong and I found in my experience that is usually because of me um and I proceed to have these days that just snowball um from one instant to the next um again because of me and um I think it's quite easy to have a day like that a bad day where everything just goes wrong and just feel really rubbish about yourself and get quite down about it and take it quite seriously. I think it's really easy to believe that there are so many people out there that are absolutely smashing life. They're achieving everything they set themselves um, and they make it look so easy. Um, where and I think in actual fact, it's that's that's not actually that accurate. Oh, just to warn you before this plays, there is a little bit of spicy language um, in the poem uh, you're about to hear. Um, there's only actually one word that's um, <laughs> that's spicy. Um, begins with the letter D, uh, and <laughs> it's said a few times. Nineteen, is it? Chris? Nineteen, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> the maths being done for you, uh, so you don't have to do it. Slight warning about that, but um, I think um, it's a fantastic piece. Here's Loz. 
I'm not a dick. But I do have I'm a dick days where I'm a dick in all the ways imaginable. Not every day is an I'm a dick day and I cherish those days. But today was another I'm a dick day. I get up, stumble over dreams into a reality I'm not quite ready for. A reality already warming up my I'm a dick day. Unlike my coffee that I've poured cold and I've put the milk away into the cupboard. Planning my Wednesday ahead certain that it is, but it's actually Tuesday. Just another dick move to prove an I'm a dick day is on its way as I try to leave the house without my keys and I get stuck in the hallway and facing people throughout the day and I need some kind of banner across my shoulders just to say, I'm having an I'm a dick day, please pay no attention to what I may do or say. It's relevant today, today is decided it's an I'm a dick day and I'm not what I portray, nor am I anything that I want to be as I say what I don't mean, mean what I don't say, why I felt it had to be said. It wasn't even funny in my head, but today's an I'm a dick day, so it's all going to spew out anyway. It's not okay, but I am okay. I'm well adjusted to all manner of I'm a dick days as I get in your way, misjudging the timings as we try to step through the same doorway. Look, dealing with an I'm a dick day is hard enough, but I get by. So please don't reach out to me, needing comfort and advice. And for God's sake, please don't cry. I will only be able to offer you an I'm a dick day cliche buffet that will appear as an insincere cabaret of inaccurate and misguided piaget and that helps no one and don't come at me with your questions I can barely problem solve as my thought processes delay and decay only coming up with solutions that pose really awkward foreplay in my airway finally half coming out of my mouth disappointed and wearing really tacky lingerie but I'm afraid it's the best I can offer you on this mere I'm a dick day. As the I'm a dick day draws to a close and I can lock myself away, I can laugh and reflect how much of a dick I was throughout the day. Dinner on your face can be endearing. A lanyard caught on a door handle, awkwardly artful. Prague isn't the capital of Norway. And that shoe scuff trip earned one hell of a downplay. (laughs) It was just another I'm a dick day, but I made it through safe in the knowledge I'm not always a dick, not every day, and tomorrow is definitely Wednesday. Thanks so much for that, Loz. If you enjoyed listening to that and would like to read more of Loz's work, she actually has a pamphlet of poetry out called Orange from Grey. It only costs £5 for a copy. It's well worth a read, and we've put a link in the description of this podcast. Okay, so throughout this podcast series, Write Club online members are offering writing workshops to help you create your own work that we can include on the podcast. And this month, the writing workshop is going to be delivered by me. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, me. I'm super excited about this one. So we've got an episode coming up where I'm in competition with two other hosts, Right Club didn't always used to be an online format. We're going to revisit the old live performance model that Right Club used to exist in um, with Charlie and Keely, who are very good friends of mine. Um, but friendships are being thrown aside because in that episode, we are each assembling a team of writers, of work that we really, really rate. And we're going to see who can come up with the best segment of writing content for you guys to listen to. This means I'm assembling a crack team of writers and I figured where better to look than you guys, people listening to this right now. If you'd like to join me for a writing workshop, tickets are only £5 each. They will probably sell out. The last workshop sold out pretty quickly. The workshop itself is going to take place on Wednesday, the 7th of June from 6pm until 7.30pm. There's a link in the description of this episode if you want to sign up. There are limited spaces. Tickets are only £5 each. If that's a difficult amount to come up with, the event page has details of of how to get in contact with us. We will help you find a place if you're struggling with that in any way. And yeah, if you're along for the ride, 6pm till 7.30pm, I'll work with you so you can unlock your maximum power potential and dazzle listeners around the world. Right. We've got an idea of the importance of time and deadlines in setting targets. Now, I'd like you to set three targets that you could complete within that time. For me, when I set targets, the first target is the only one that's ever about writing. I normally set it 
in a way that it's measurable and I can clearly see when it's been completed. For example, I will write a thousand words of my YA novel, or I will write at least 30 lines of poetry, or I will complete this second draft and email it to my editor. I will complete my rap and share it with my sister. Whatever you want to come up with, it's helpful to find a way that you can measure when it's being completed. It could be, I will write a five-star review of this podcast on Apple Music and post it. That's a brilliant first time. Yeah, that's, a, that's measurable. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I mean, yeah, that's a, go and do it. It's, that, that would be really, <laughs> really nice. Um, when I write a second target, it's normally about something that's not related directly to writing. I might set a target to read something or experience a night of live poetry, or to learn how to use lights when filming, or how to key in a green screen. You could argue that listening to another episode of this series is a good second target. Absolute perfection of a second target. Um, which, again, you should do. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, the third target is normally something else in my life that isn't related to my work something that will help me find joy or stability or comfort in the world as a human being and a creative person. At Right Club, we've had third targets that include going for a swim, walking for five miles, decorating the spare room, making a fancy milkshake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? What's, Most definitely. What's your uh, milkshake flavour of choice? Do you know what? Um, I would probably go chocolate. Okay. But... You know, milkshake is, is genius, isn't yeah. it? Lush. I'm banana myself. <laughs> You're um. an actual banana. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all of those have been really successful targets at our Right Club meetups. Now might be a good time to sit and think about these three targets. Target one, what will you write? How will you know that it's completed? Target two, what else will you do that will help you develop your skills? Maybe you'll see something or hear something or experience something. And then number three, what else will you do that is just good for you right now? Well, now we've put milkshake in my head, so I'm <laughs> going to have to go and make one, really. This next writer and performer is Georgia Priest. Now, Georgia set herself an ambitious target with an expected time constraint, but things soon changed. And she soon learned she had to adapt. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, my name's Georgia. I'm a poet and artist based in Lincoln. I think I joined Write Club on maybe the second or third session. A friend of mine had sent me the link, but I went in not knowing anyone. I didn't even know who Mark was. I'd been actively performing in Lincoln's small but busy poetry scene for the last couple of years, but I had my first wave of kind of bigger gigs lined up for spring 2020. In late 2019, I'd been selected to be a performer for TEDx Brayford Pool. Originally, they asked me to do performance art because I was doing this a lot for my master's degree at the time, but honestly, I'm really dreadful at it. <laughs> um... And some of my earliest interactions with spoken word were through TED. So there was a really kind of beautiful symmetry to it that I couldn't ignore. And I felt that poetry was the right way to go for this performance. But then obviously lockdown hit. And all of the gigs that I'd booked disappeared one by one. With TED, it was left in a weird, unknowing limbo. In May of that year, I received an email on the week that would have been my TEDx debut. I hope this email finds you safe and well. My TEDx performance was going to be postponed for a year, COVID pending. And then when May 2021 rolled around, it was postponed again because we still weren't able to gather safely indoors. So at this point, I'd had well over a year on my own, feeling kind of nervous because I knew I'd be rusty with performing. Um, there's something about a live audience reaction that I get a lot from. And while I really adore Zoom open mics and the connections I've made, it's not quite the same as people actually being there. The thing I really needed to work on was just being kind to myself and learning to like myself. With my self-esteem as low as it was, sharing my story wasn't something I could do with any level of confidence. 
The story itself is centred around my mental health, a panic attack that held me back from performing for years and then a breakup that finally got me back on the stage. It felt really important for the poetry I'd be performing to be about connection and things that I love but had been separated from, either because of COVID or other reasons. In October 2021, I finally got to stand on the red dot. Another shift in guidelines about a week before the performance and we can no longer have a live audience. So the gig was a bit more intimate than expected. It was just a room full of performers and speakers. And while I'd have really loved to have had a typical TED experience, it was really nice to know that everyone in the audience was genuinely on my side. They'd been with me through rehearsals where I had struggled to hear positive feedback and couldn't talk about myself without shaking. (laughs) So the first poem was about an old friend. Mourning a person or a friendship is something that I think that universally we can all respond to. And after so long of being without friends and family, it felt like a really nice way to pay tribute to connection and the importance of, I guess, love and friendship. I heard that the heart of a blue whale is so big that a human being can stand up tall inside of it. And I know you'd hate me for making this comparison, but I like to imagine that your heart is so big that too many people tried to climb inside, forced you to take a moment to step back and figure out if there's still room to love yourself. I always joked that you loved the things that were too small to accommodate you. The big city guy always squeezing into the smallest cafes, always standing out when you wanted to blend in. My heart was one of these places. It was never built to accommodate friendship as big as yours. When you left, you opened up a six-foot stupid wound that I'm still trying to heal. You were, and always will be, the Kenny to my dolly. My guy in the audience, coffee cup across the table, sunglasses on a winter morning, you were always there. I could never live up to you, but always wanted to. I looked up to you like a big brother figure. I'd watch you perform with pride, always awestruck, my eyes open wide. I can't stop thinking about the last time I saw you. How the anxiety had made you shrink, but a spark that's as bright as yours is hard to dim. The world had piled too many problems onto your shoulders. I watched as they weighed you down, tried so hard to lift the burden, but you asked to be left to drown. It's hard to describe the feeling of watching your house burn down and not being allowed to extinguish the flames. When you stopped replying, I watched as your online ghost appeared in music players. Your song choices play out like my new green light. I sit and watch you flicker in the distance there and not online, listening, missing. I write to you, screaming out into a void with no response, hate that I wonder how seeing my name in a notification makes you feel feeling my heart sink when an audience full of faces is missing yours. I miss your stupid drunken smile, your laugh. Your ability to take me out of my own head. I just wish I could do the same for you. Wish I could tell you that none of this is worth celebrating without you. I wish I held you tighter. Said thank you more often. Laughed harder at your stupid jokes. I wish I took more photographs. Lived more moments. Wish we could go back to that last cup of coffee. I was so mad that you were busy that I didn't make the most of it. Didn't know it would be our last. So hope it won't be. Still wait for a reply. Still hope I get the chance to say I'm here. I'm listening. I'm not going anywhere. I hope you know this. I heard that the heart of a blue whale is so big that a human being can stand up tall inside of it. I know you'd hate me for making this comparison, but I like to imagine that your heart is so big that too many people tried to climb inside, forced you to take a moment to step back 
and figure out if there's still room to love yourself. It was really nice to have an audience there that genuinely cared. And we were all supporting each other. So I'm really grateful to have had that experience. Thank you so much, Georgia, for sharing that. If you're interested in checking out Georgia's TEDx talk, I can tell you right now it makes great dinnertime viewing. Uh, My wife and I uh, watched it as we had uh, dinner one evening and it was an ace way to spend 10 minutes. Um, We'll put a link in the description. Now, Chris. Hello. We chatted earlier on about Targets. We did. And you talked about Backland Studios. Mm. I think what you've achieved here is pretty amazing, really. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's something I wouldn't have been able to achieve without support of friends and family, especially my wife, because none of it means anything without her. But yeah, my family are all musicians. It's kind of a natural progression for me to do this. And it's yeah, it's something I'm grabbing um, with both hands very tightly. Um, yeah, so, so what have you learned from this? Oh, loads, yeah. it's um. It's just continual growth, isn't it? That's the that's the thing with it. Mm. But it's also about making the best choice at the time um, and not beating yourself up if you if you get it wrong. Powerful stuff, Chris. It's cool. Well, I am quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any advice you'd give anyone else who's thinking of doing the same thing? Well, it helps to have other people to work with and to help you get through. My wife, my friends, they help me keep accountable. Yeah, I mean, absolutely just keep on going, keep on pushing forwards and push for those targets. Well, look, Notice how we are segueing into the theme that we're looking to get submissions for at the moment. So here we are again towards the end of the episode. And just a reminder, we love having you here listening to this work. But what we'd love more than anything is to have you really getting involved with this project and sending your work in. We, we want to hear new stuff, don't we, Chris? 100%. Yeah, this podcast is all about you guys, right? Yeah, we really want to hear from you. And if you've got a piece of writing, we're getting a lot of poems at the moment, but maybe you've got a piece of writing that's in a different format, right? Maybe you've written a script or... A, anything, yeah, let's mix yeah, it Yeah, or like a, a novel. Like, we, we want to hear from you. We really, really do. Our upcoming theme is Maximum Power, as we mentioned earlier on the episode. Perhaps you could write about something that gives you maximum power that charges your batteries or or something that depletes them, perhaps. Maybe there's a time that you feel powerful. Maybe you have thoughts about those who are powerful that you would like to share. What even makes someone or something powerful? Perhaps you could write about a moment when the power dynamics shift for some reason. I'd suggest that as one of those three targets, if you're still stuck, You try to write a poem or a story or a rap or a script or a recipe or (laughs) anything. Um, Some nice bread rolls. Absolutely. (laughs) Cheers, Mary Berry. Um, Bread related or otherwise um, (laughs) that has a certain word count or line length and send it over to us. That's your target number one. Target number two, perhaps engage with some other piece of art that could inspire you or give you some new ideas. Target number three, Give yourself a nice treat. If you do set these targets and you want to send them through to us, we would love to see what you've got. Just email words at rightclubopenmic.com with your three targets. Uh, We'll definitely try and read out some emails that explain how people found this target setting. Okay, on to our final online Right Club member for today, and it's Kieran Wade. Kieran is studying at Lincoln University at the moment. He's a great writer and he's brought so much energy to our Monday morning meetups. Here's Kieran Wade. Hi, I'm Kieran. I'm 18 and I originally come from rural Yorkshire, but this year I moved to the centre of Lincoln for uni, which has been quite the transition living on my own from farms to roads. When I joined Right Club, a lot of my writing was to do with my disability and mental health issues. An interesting thing about me, I guess, is that I use a wheelchair to get around. That's my angle on the world. But I kind of don't see that anymore. I've been disabled all of my life. And I kind of forget I'm in a wheelchair a lot which can be an issue when stairs are involved. Over the years at Right Club, I think it's pretty fair to say I've set some kind of unrealistic targets. 
ones that have suddenly raised a few eyebrows. But once I get the idea of I want to do something, especially if someone's going to check if I've done it five days later, I seem to get this kind of extra power. Some of the bigger targets, I guess, have been to write a fringe show in three days, to do interviews within film industry before I'd even left school. I've worked in front of politicians and done festivals I never thought possible. But I think the most kind of far-reaching thing I ended up doing was I decided with less than a week to go to audition for the National Youth Theatre. You had a self-tape to do before 5pm and that went with one of the casting directors. I didn't really read much further than that at the time. I was just excited to learn new skills, see if I could do it, I guess. I felt nervous because a lot of the kind of details and centered more around like traditional actors than performers, poets and spoken word artists. So I did wonder whether I was really appropriate for the company. And I also noticed that a lot of the people involved had private educations and came from London. And I'm quite self-conscious about my speech impediment. So it took me like four hours to to record one one minute piece. Luckily, I'd done a piece in a right club on a Monday based on a book that Mark had picked out. Um, I think it was Dracula from the perspective of this omniscient vampire. The once bassy sound of my heart has been diminished into two tones. Tick, tock, tick, tock. So what is left for me to do? What can I do? Just wave as the moon does in the heart there is something to meet me at sunrise. Or do I reflect? Reflect both internally and externally, look for what deserves a part of me and leave light, warmth, intense enough to scorch my name into the world. So when those church bells chime, whatever lies beneath the coffin lid, I do not go cold, I do not expire. Because I never expected to get in, 16-year-old me thought it was a smart idea not to mention it to my parents. So it was a bit of a shock to them as well. I got an email that was like covered in confetti that just said, you're in. That was a big surprise, a huge surprise. I didn't realise it was such a big deal until I'd spoken to some other poets, also my parents, and they were like, Karen, she's actually a huge thing you've done. It was a really overwhelming feeling, I guess. I wanted to do it because it was so far out of what I would have possibly seen my comfort zone as. It taught me new skills. As a poet, the thing I like doing most is being on a stage and I think it made me better at that. Just do it. Remember the worst thing that anyone can do is say no, and if you get a no, you can learn from that no, and and it's a funny story that you might end up telling on a podcast one day. That was Kieran Wade, writer, performer, National Youth Theatre alumni, currently studying his degree in creative writing at Lincoln University. If you're interested in learning more about Kieran or the other Right Club members, you're very welcome to join our Facebook page. The link is in the description of this episode. Every Monday morning, we'd still post a link for our online Zoom meetings where we meet up and set weekly targets. You are very welcome to join us.
Okay, so we've got targets. Maybe uh, you want to tweak them a little after listening to Kieran's story. The key thing is from here, we need to get the energy to go off and smash these targets. Really take our shot. I've failed so much in my time as a writer and an artist. I've had so many rejections. And the only thing that I'd like us to focus on with these three targets is what Kieran said. You've not really got anything to lose, but someone saying no. What kind of story could you tell by setting a target and seeing it to the end? Chris, have you got any targets you'd like to set in the future? Oh, I'm going to do that five-star review about a thousand yeah. times for this podcast. So. Yeah, that would be super cool, Chris. Oh, these guys are help. My, my target is to, yeah, is to reevaluate what it means to script an episode because I thought <laughs> I scripted this whole thing. It made complete sense mm. to me. And then I sit here in the booth and it's like, I'm just, I've, I've, I've riffed. Those who are listening right now, if this sounds like it's been coherent i've i've really riffed about quite a bit and yeah thanks um thanks for that. but um <laughs> uh, but our next so next episode here's what's exciting chris next yep. episode we have got leanne moden is going to be joining excellent us as we kind of discuss her workshop because we've had the first of our right club open mic writing workshops finally take place she's been helping people write um based upon the theme of i'm getting too old for this so next episode she's going to be joining us we've had some things that have been sent in thank you so much if you've sent us work so far um, it's super cool and exciting and we will be sharing for the first time now new writing that's been sent in by you guys who have listened to the podcast next month on Write Club Open Mic this podcast was made by me Mark Grist and Chris Barn at Backland Studios it featured work from Tim Clare Scott Coe, Loz Anstey, Georgia Priest, and Kieran Way. This podcast was made possible thanks to public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>